0: Welcome to the Learning to Thrive Podcast, where we have real conversations with real people about real life. And now, here's your host and my friend, David Higginbotham. Welcome to the Learning to Thrive Podcast. My name's David Higginbotham, and I'm your host. And thank you again for taking some of your time to invest with me and with my friends and in, in the lives that... Uh, and the stories that are going to be shared with you through this podcast. I'm really blessed today to have one of my one of my long-term friends. I'm careful not to say one of my oldest friends, because I'm speaking of of a dear friend, Ann Gillette. Ann and I have known each other since junior high, and there aren't many people who are willing to admit that with me. <laughs> and good evening. It's evening hello. where we are, so hello, Ann. It's good to have you with us. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you, David.
0: Now, Aunt, you live in in the Charlotte area, right?
1: Correct. So John and I live in the north part of Charlotte, North Carolina.
0: Okay. Now, you and I grew up in Central Florida, outside of Orlando, in a little town called Apopka. But you and John, how long have you lived up in Charlotte?
1: We moved to Charlotte in
0: 1991. Okay. That's a long time. That's it. That's that's so. Oh, that's a, so you guys are practically you're practically lifers there in the Charlotte area <laughs>
1: and the, the sad part about that when God told us, and John repeated it to me the morning he said that, the first things that came through my mind is i'm going to die and bury be buried in Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> Because I'm a fifth-generation Floridian.
0: Yes, me too, me too. And I have
1: two little girls that are sixth-generation Floridians. When I moved away. Yes,
0: yes. That's that's what we spent. We've spent uh, the past 30 years living outside of Florida. Our son Taylor was a sixth-generation Floridian as well. So, yeah, I know that, I, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. But uh, but you're there, and and life is life goes on no matter where we are. And you are, you've are you got a special celebration of life going on right now because you have a very special, some special people that are visiting with you from out of town. Tell us
1: about that. Well, uh, John and I have two girls. Our youngest daughter, Ivy, had her first baby in July, and they live in Boston. But because there's lots of remote work going on these days, they mm-hmm. thought, ah, let's go someplace where we have a little bit more just the ability because they were live they are living in a, an apartment there. Oh, we can go sit in the front yard. We can go sit in the backyard. We can sit on the back porch. We can. Yes. So, so they relocated mom
0: and dad. Yes.
1: Yeah. Here, here they are. <laughs> so we have been blessed to have them with us now since early, well, early August. and Okay. So they will be with us until, uh, the middle of October when they, uh, will relocate in the craziness of life to sure. Minnesota in October. Back to Minnesota.
0: I mean, I'm to Minnesota. Minnesota.
1: Wow, yes. So they're just going to relocate to be with uh, his mom, my son. Okay,
0: so they're, they're taking the opportunity, the COVID opportunity, to spend some time with family.
1: Exactly, and especially knowing, okay, this is a sweet time.
0: To oh, have yes.
1: Have family interact and uh, at, at least watch and observe how their new baby, oh, boy yeah growing, and he is a growing little man oh, of
0: course that's so exciting
1: we are, we are loving that a lot
0: that's that's exciting and I, I we we are in Waco, Texas, and we are here specifically for a similar reason. Our kids got planted here, and uh Brenda and I had the opportunity to to relocate and be near family and it was a value that we'd always talked about as our kids grew up and moved away and began having families of their own. If it were possible, we wanted to try to do that and the Lord opened the door. So we're here and, uh, we're, we're, we're loving being there, uh, with, with kids and with grandkids. It's a very, very special thing. So, and, um, I'll tell you, those of you who are listening as well, and is, and was one of the first Christians that I knew, uh, when I when I say that, I mean peers, people that were my peers that I engaged with and knew in school. And uh, Anne comes from a long background of uh, people who love Jesus, and she was one of those one of those young women that loved Jesus. And uh, in school, I was one of those guys who, uh, I, I you know, I I always I always knew there was a God. But I also knew that he and I weren't on speaking terms. So <laughs> I had uh, the opportunity to watch a group of kids, a number of kids during the early 70s in, in high school. And Ann was one of those, among others, who, who were, were clear and open about having a relationship with God that I thought was fascinating, even though I didn't want to participate in it. And later on in years down the road, I came to know Christ and was deeply influenced by Ann's family. And uh, really benefited from from that kind of a relationship as well. So I'm telling you, those of you who are listening, and is not just some lady that I had recommended to me. She's a she's a woman that I've known for many years, and her relationship with Jesus is uh, is is deeply valid, going back to her youth. And I bless you for that, Anne, because that's that's a significant thing. It's a significant thing to have decades of history with God.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I am thankful, and I can go back to those days, early childhood, and think how God used people in the church, whether Mm -hmm. they were my Sunday school teachers, whether they uh, were my parents and family members. I mean, I have memories of my grandmother, you know, going in and seeing her first thing in the morning, and she's got her little devotional out. and She's got her Bible out, and that was my dad's mom, mm-hmm. and just having memories of other family members doing similar things, and mm-hmm. so it's been a blessing to have that kind of history, and then uh, even memories of being an elementary school child, and we did not leave, I have two younger sisters, and we did not leave the house without having some kind of sitting down and reading, whether it's a psalm or part of a, a mm-hmm. gospel, or, and then praying, and then running to catch the...
0: <laughs> run to catch the bus <laughs>
1: Exactly, because, oh, you think okay that's that's just how we our, our mama did life right with us.
0: yeah that's that's good well and i'm sure i'm sure all of your life because you were that young lady who was raised in an environment of loving the lord and honoring god and hadn't made your own choices to choose to love god and to walk with god i'm sure that all of your life from that point forward it was just blue skies and green lights, wasn't it? It was just...
1: Blue skies, green lights. And fabulous. Sometimes the, the traffic officer pulling up <laughs> because, okay, <laughs> the green lights really weren't green or there were obstacles that I... God uses obstacles. He uses trials along the way. So I really didn't get pulled over that many times. Well, that's it.
0: That's good. Yes, uh, that's that's good. The, the, the idea, however... Oftentimes in so many people's lives is that if I do the right stuff, if I believe the right things, if I'm a good person and I go to church and I read my Bible, then all the bad stuff, I'm going to be protected from the bad stuff. And so when life comes at us, as it always does, and some of that bad stuff comes along, some of those challenging things comes along. It's not uncommon for us to hear or to say, "Wait a minute, why me why is why is this happening? Um, and it, it because i've I've expected that I would be exempt from the challenges and the difficulties and the tragedies of life because I was doing all the right things. It's just not that way, is it?
1: Not at all.
0: It isn't. So when you're looking back at your life, have you, have you encountered some of those things yourself along the way where more than a speed bump, perhaps a speed bump or more, where those types of things come along? How do, how do we respond when those difficulties and challenges come our way? Uh, what, what do we do? What have you done?
1: Well, I thought of a couple, but I'm not going to go there. But I, I think the first one that I'll mention is we we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, and we had a Charlotte baby. So in 1994, our son was born, mm-hmm. and uh, God was kind. He we chose to do a home delivery; everything went smooth, and took baby to. Uh, his first pediatric appointment probably when he was about two days old and she said oh there's a little murmur here maybe mm-hmm. you need to see our the pediatric audio uh, cardiologist so I uh, we made an appointment thinking nothing about it had plans for the afternoon sure the doctor first thing in the morning and it wasn't just something simple because I'd met people that had babies that had sure. like a VSD or an ASD and mm-hmm. it, Okay, that's a simple fixer. Sometimes the baby outgrows that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, there were like seven different things the car the cardiologist said after doing the MRI and CAT scan. It's like you think transposition of the major arteries, single ventricle. So you think babies have four ventricles. I have four ventricles. Oh, this baby only had single ventricle. Uh, just and there were multiple other things that. You just think, oh, mm. but our little boy was thriving.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: the doctor said, I don't think we'll do anything right away. They did do a um, uh, some tests, and we did get a, a second opinion from Duke. Uh, and they said, yeah, we think he'll thrive. And we think that uh, just because they saw, part of it was they saw us as parents engaged and yes. And so um, they said, yes, he's going to need surgery, but it's, you know, we'll just wait. We're not going to jump into it. So uh, at three months old, uh, our little boy Hunter started um, not gaining weight, kind of mm-hmm. staying real stable. So it's like, okay, they they began to
2: mm-hmm.
1: have plans to do so. We had our first open heart surgery at three months old and today it's not uncommon to know that mamas have babies and they're rushed right out to get those as newborns but we had three with hunter Mm -hmm. and he um you know he was in the hospital two to three weeks i think recovering Mm -hmm. so we learned about icu we learned about all kinds of things But yet God was always there. There was uh, just a confidence that we can be, we know who created Mm -hmm. our son. We know that he is a good God. Mm -hmm. Uh, He, he was formed in my womb Mm -hmm. and God knew him prior to, we knew that. Right. Uh, We knew that we had a sovereign God. So, So that was probably one of the first things, and then of course, Hunter's had multiple at, at one year of age. He had a another surgery. We knew wow. at that point that there was a chance that okay, they were going to collect uh, because um, some of the and I can't remember. John's the one that remembers all these things. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that, uh, that they could cut the bundle of his. That's what it is. So okay, a bundle of his is. Between the upper chambers of the heart, where uh, it could mean that Hunter would need to be pacemaker dependent, which on his first birthday, he got his first pacemaker. Wow. He became a a pacemaker, battery operated. He was my battery operated boy.
0: Right. As a one-year-old.
1: As a one-year-old. Yes. God was good. He was even in that little scenario because in the middle of the night, one of the nurses accidentally cut the external pacemaker lines. Oops. And oops. But who was next to the one patient was a gentleman, a nurse, who had his Swiss Army knife and then he spliced the wires back together and Hunter endured to get up and go to the surgery to get his, at that point, the cardiologists decided. Okay. So you just think, Oh, there was somebody prepared. God had somebody ready. So that was just one of those little things that you think, okay, we could be confident about what God was doing, even knowing confident that, okay, Lord, if we've only had Hunter for, three months, or if we've only had Hunter for a year, mm. we have been blessed mm. to know this little one. Right. And that's been a testimony to so many people. Yes. That, okay, we, we could know him a- and be confident that God chose us to be his parents. Mm. So,
0: that's an amazing perspective. Ann. I mean, that, that, that really, I mean, I keep, I've heard you, over the past few minutes um, describing this situation that came out of nowhere as far as your perspective. I mean, but the phrase that I kept hearing you say, but God was there. God was with us.
2: Uh,
0: Can you talk about how that felt? I mean, what did that – you had this assurance about the faithfulness of God on the one hand. And the reality of your situation on the other, and the two meet with a confidence in in the in the presence of God being with you. How did how did that how did is that what got you through the day through the week?
1: Often, yes, yes, just just being confident that God. We knew Scripture, so John and I had Scripture. There were um, verses. There were we we. I grew up in a wonderful. Little Baptist church in Apopka, Florida.
0: Good folks, and good people.
1: Sweet and sweet Sunday school teachers. So I just remember early on having teachers that uh, taught me about things that happened in the Old Testament as well okay. as things that happened in the New Testament.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and um, And then you know, that carried on. And I, like you said, I wasn't the perfect Christian. There were bumps along the road in junior high and senior high, but I had opportunities, uh, as, uh, a college student. I took a year break. I went to school in a little Bible school up in Estes park, Colorado.
2: Yes.
1: And God, you know, just, I had the opportunity to, I just have more of the word. Mm time in the word and that was a sweet time Mm -hmm. and then shortly going back to orlando apopka uh, my family started attending an assemblies of god church Mm -hmm. so life was just it was full Mm -hmm. of of opportunities to hear the word preached to learn scripture be familiar with scripture so god's word is key is Mm -hmm. he to all of that. Uh, There were a couple of summers. I worked in a retreat center over in Titusville, Florida. Yes. So having opportunity to over and over each week, there would be a new group of people, but over and over, I was hearing the same things they were hearing one time. I heard it four to six or maybe eight times throughout Mm -hmm. those summers that I was there Mm -hmm. and God faithfully planted seeds of his word in my heart. And so that was just I th- I think part of what
2: sure.
1: I could lean on, knowing God's word. In fact, I'll share a scripture. Please and, do. And it's in Joshua. And Joshua had just been commissioned to take the children of Israel
2: mm-hmm.
1: into the land. Moses Was not going to get to go in, but in the first chapter, God tells the people, I'll start with verse five. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. From your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you?
2: Mm.
1: Be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go so that's Hmm. through verse nine so you just think okay i had nuggets like that
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you think what is the bible but it's a minefield a gold mine Mm -hmm. and there are nuggets that Mm -hmm. help carry us through different scenarios Mm -hmm. and when
0: when when the unexpected comes, and it, as it came in your life, you and John, you were this wonderful little boy, this gift from God, and then, wow, oh, maybe there's something wrong. Oh wow, there is something wrong. The overwhelming sense that can come about by that can only be countered by something of equal or greater possibility and you're you're falling back on the the reality of the faithfulness of God the stories that you've heard from the bible as a child the faithfulness that you've seen in the lives of people that you've known in your family the scripture one another and able to re, able to 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 co- respond to all of those things in response to this massive potentially life-threatening situation and in that place you're able to connect with and find the grace and the mercy and the love and the peace of God. Mm-hmm. You see that, that is the definition that I'm using when I talk about learning to thrive. Mm-hmm. The thriving isn't not having those kinds of problem, situations. Thriving is in, in the midst of those. And then through those learning how with our imperfections and with our limitations and our brokenness, to connect with that reality of the faithfulness of God, his love, his mercy, his grace, and his sustaining ability. And and what I hear you saying is that's what was undergirding us as we moved into this thing.
1: And during some of those early days, especially with Hunter, um, there was a book study, and I can't even remember what we were studying, but it was, on, it was topical. It wasn't like a bu- book of the Bible. And one of the things had to do on sovereignty,
2: Mm.
1: And you think God is the sovereign God. And he knew before beginning that Mm. Hunter would have these complex heart Mm. issues to deal with. He knew how he knew that I needed to go through that. He needed he knew that our uh, my husband, John, he knew that my daughters would also need to walk through that with him. God planted us in a church where we had people coming around us. We had Mm -hmm. people supporting us. We had people, my mom and dad were here probably for every single one of Hunter's surgeries until Mm -hmm. about 2012. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, okay, that I had support. We had support, but yet we also had the truth of God's word Mm -hmm. to be our, our foundation
0: Because he was with you.
1: He was with us. Yes. We knew people were praying. We knew people were supporting us. We knew uh, scripture. We were being prayed over. Hunter had been prayed over. God was very, very kind.
0: What a blessing it is to to look back on that and to be able to say God was with us and we were surrounded by friends and we had support. It must have been uh, a blessing as well, even in spite of the challenges to walk through it as you're going through it. Cause uh, do you remember how you felt when those, when those surgeries were coming up? Were you connecting with the reality of those people that were, cause people were loving you and people were supporting you and people were praying for you. How did, how did you connect with that reality in your own heart as you're looking at another surgery for Hunter? Uh,
1: I think we were quick to think, okay, we need prayer. So it's like, okay, we're going to go. We're going to make sure we have prayer covering for ourselves. Hunter's going to have prayer covering. The girls are going to have prayer covering. Just all those people. We had God. He really did surround us Mm. with uh, yeah, people that we still have sweet communion with.
0: Mm. Yes, yes. And so Hunter's condition uh, was not corrected. Did, they weren't able to completely fix it and make it all whole, right? Is that correct? They
1: he, he never we never uh, he never had a heart transplant. Although towards um, probably about six seven years ago, we did investigate that, mm-hmm.
2: uh,
1: but uh, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but I mean, he had probably seven or eight. Heart surgeries,
2: mm-hmm.
1: cath, and just um, just, uh, and then how the heart and the blood flow impact other organs. He uh, he did have cirrhosis of the liver, right? Because it impacted his liver, and then he got diagnosed with liver cancer. And so, in addition, so with the heart and the liver, so uh, our young man lived. We had him for twenty three years. Wow. So uh, we were blessed. You know, at early on, we didn't know if we would have him two years or right. ten years or what. But Hunter uh, lived until he was 23. He served in our church. He did children's ministry with me. He was an intern with our college ministry. And uh, he loved the Lord. And then he was blessed to participate with a uh an organization that's here in Charlotte specifically for heart kids. And um, he became a, a counselor with those heart kids. So he was not only impacting college ministry, he was impacting other families and other kids that had uh, heart defects. Hmm. And, yeah. So, so he was,
0: he was giving back yes. to others who were where there was a some similarity, at least in terms of the heart issues, to kids, and uh, that's that sounds like a sounds like a great kid. I mean, what can you? I don't want to go too deep on this with you because I know how how tender it must be. Well, what what was Hunter like? I, the pictures that I saw on Facebook and the because I got to know Hunter through Facebook and your postings and you know the the little bits and pieces that I could pick up. He just seemed like a gregarious, outgoing, fun-loving guy.
1: Very, very. Uh, so uh, he he loved life.
2: Mm.
1: He, as a, a little boy, we worked it out so that he was able to do some of the church league softball, little league baseball. I guess is what you would call it. Mm-hmm. He, did, you know, he did swim lessons. He loved to water ski. He loved to get out in the boat with his dad. He loved some sailing. So he was. He loved outdoor stuff. Mm-hmm. He um, he had lifelong friends, and yes. uh, they would camp some together. They um, so even in in the within the college ministry, he uh, would uh, engage people and go play disc golf.
2: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: So just you know, how do I engage young men that are on the college campus in a right. way that's going to just First of all, make a relationship and befriend them.
0: Sure, absolutely, absolutely.
1: That's, uh, so that's how he was. So even with the children's ministry, I've primarily focused on seven and eight year olds. Uh, he was in the classroom with me, with those seven and eight year olds,
2: and mm.
1: and so yeah, he loved to travel. So my second born is a flight attendant, and she. <laughs> Made him her travel companion while she was a single woman.
2: Okay. And
1: so they did Austria and oh wow Switzerland together. Uh, at one point, he went with his dad to Canada to Vancouver, and then we ha- our oldest was was at that time. She and her husband were planting a church in Sydney, Australia. So uh, we traveled to. Sydney. So he he loved Sydney. He loved the family. Uh, Our son-in-law, his all his family is right there in Sydney. So we have loved them. We love the church there in Sydney. So he, you know, he engaged. So he had people all over the world, whether it was in Korea and Sydney, Vancouver. People knew him, Mm. and just in England because we had uh, both girls that had done some interning with a church in Wales. So they mm. were UK friends. So people knew Hunter, people were praying for Hunter and he he was a friendly guy. Yes. And then when it came time to be part of a camp counselor at the Heart Kids camp, right? Uh, the doctor there would say, so who wants to show, and I can't even remember what the scenario was, but it was like, Hunter was the first one To get up and he said he took his shirt off so that everybody could see all of his scars.
0: See my scars.
1: (laughs) And the boy had scars.
0: I'm sure he did.
1: He's got some. He's got he had some scars. So it's just like okay, he was not shy. And that and that helped others. So one of the gentlemen part of that camp now still was not a heart patient. But he you know, when he said Hunter could I couldn't do that Mm -hmm. because I had been a counselor for years, but he said I couldn't do that like Hunter did. He engaged those kids, and they knew that he understood what they were walking through.
0: Mm, mm, so, well, that's it. Sounds like it sounds like he lived an incredibly full life in twenty three years.
1: He did. He did. Yeah, oh,
0: that's that's a that's a blessing. I mean, that's a it's got to be a blessing for you to carry. Yes. you know, uh, to know that. Uh, it 's a blessing for me to hear about. I had that sense just from the things that you know you pick up on Facebook with pictures and hear this outing and this thing is going on and I remember praying for him uh, numerous times toward the toward the end of his life and uh did 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 you guys have a sense that um, the end of his life was coming. I mean, did you have a sense of timing on that? What, what was going on there?
1: Well, he had been at kids camp with the Heart kids in August of 2017. And he was taking some classes and there was an exam in the middle of camp. So he was going to come home, do an exam and then go back to kids camp. Well, he got home and I think he did make get the exam completed, but he let our friend, the doctor, know, um, I, I am just worn out. Mm. So Hunter stayed home, crashed here a little bit, and then ended up in the hospital in the next 24 hours. Right. With, uh, I can't even remember. It was almost, I can't even remember the specifics.
0: Right. Yeah, the details,
1: right? Yes. John's the one that keeps those. Things. Right. <laughs> well, Hunter, at that point, we and he was in ICU, and we learned that he had the the di- about the diagnosis of the liver cancer. Okay. So, so that's uh,
0: that's when you got the diagnosis of the liver cancer at that time.
1: Yes, and I think Hunter had already heard it. Okay. You have to remember he's a 23 year old man. I, We're not always going with him to every single doctor's appointment, but he had probably already heard that diagnosis and that's when we learned of it Mm -hmm. and started, you know, meeting with a variety of doctors. Sure. And, um, and so we, we, that's when we learned about it, but he was discharged things picked up. He got home he had been given my dad's jeep he was fixing the jeep he was doing things with the jeep he had some friends knew that he was interested in going off-roading in this jeep okay and here in north carolina and that means big tires yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know
0: mudding (laughs) yes off-roading
1: off-roading so um he didn't get that all taken care of with the jeep, but he did go with some friends to go off-roading and this. and right. yes. you, know, you think big tractor tires.
0: Right, so it's definitely a guy thing.
1: It's <laughs> definitely a guy thing. There's going to be mud. Yes. Um, but so he got to do that in the fall. There, there are. He changed out the brakes in the jeep,
0: mm. front
1: and back. By watching YouTube videos.
0: There you go. Absolutely.
1: Smart guy. That's it. You know, sure. search it. Bring he on the YouTube coach. <laughs> so, um, so I think he ended back up in the hospital close to Thanksgiving, but all during this time, it gave us an opportunity just to, mm-hmm. to, um, to just enjoy life. Sure. And of course, as a mom, I was a little bit more careful. He did have another, oh yeah, I'm trying to remember the sequence of things. And he did have, ended up in the hospital and it was like in November, early November, ended up having a heart, I know, a head brain surgery. So some of the, the, his second brain surgery. So it wasn't the first, but he had had some brain surgery. So I don't even know how. So it was a little stroke. So when, uh, right before Thanksgiving, he came home from the hospital at that point with some, uh, he had lost some ability to speak clearly. Mm. And, uh, but he was living life clearly. And so, uh, and he regained some of that. But when we came home at Thanksgiving, he, uh, right before Chris, uh, Thanksgiving, he did come home with hospice care.
2: Right.
1: So we had hospice care here at the house until his death, and that he died Christmas night. Right. Seventeen. Uh, yes. But during that whole Thanksgiving time, we had family coming in, sisters coming in. A, both of my sisters were able to be up here. Mm. Uh, some of my nieces and John's brother, both brothers, and were able to visit. So we had lots of company. Lots of family time, people spending time with Hunter and Mm -hmm. uh, spending time with us. They, you know, making an attempt to engage and just have those memories. So Mm -hmm. he made some more memories with different family members and we were blessed by that.
0: There came a point probably in this journey when, or it would seem to me that there would come a point when he would have a, degree of clarity about where the the next few months were going to take him. Did he, did he have a sense that, that he was moving toward the end of his life? Do you think he had that type of clarity about it or how was he responding to that? And, well, and what, what is it, what, what was going on in his heart regarding that?
1: And I can't necessarily say that, but God was kind. So he had been a college intern up until the spring of 2017. Mm. And a, a, one of our, the pastor of the college ministry uh, has been a dear friend
2: mm.
1: all of Hunter's life.
2: Mm.
1: And he, uh, so he grew up, he, he's just a few years older than my oldest. So it's like he grew up with my children.
0: Right. And
1: he was Hunter's pastor.
0: Wow. And he
1: mastered. Yes us and cared for us in a way that he was caring for Hunter. And he was engaging with a lot of that with Hunter. So um, his name is John and John was engaging. They, he had ideas about, you know, he gained ideas from Hunter about, okay, what kind of service would you like? What kind Mm -hmm. of, Mm there were those conversations with a pastor.
0: it would be very, very difficult for him to have that conversation with you and, and with your husband, with his dad. I mean, I can just see that, that, you know, that's a, how, well, I'm so glad that he had someone close and special who was able, who had been speaking into his life right. and, and who was able to receive and draw that out of him and, and to have that conversation to to be able, I think it's important for him for us. uh, And I'm speaking because I'm, I can see the, that season of my life down the road, you know, and, uh, the scriptures tell us that Jesus went up to Jerusalem for that final trip. And he had this sense of what was going to happen. And he was determined to go and to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, it, it, I, I, I've seen situations and I've known people who were, who were facing the finality of death, and were doing everything possible to try to run away from it, and uh, it—it's not one of those things we can run from.
1: No, anticipate it.
0: It's—it's—it's it's coming, and I'm—I'm I'm happy to hear that Hunter had that kind of opportunity for those conversations mm-hmm. to talk about that, because I think it does something for our hearts to say yes, because. Deep inside, we know we're going to go meet God, mm-hmm. and for some people, that is a blessed thought. Once you get past the pain,
1: mm-hmm. for other
0: people, it's it can be a real scary thing. And it sounds like it was a blessed thought for him.
1: I think so, and yeah. God was kind, so both of our girls were able to be here and work from here.
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: Our son-in-law was able to be here and work from here. So, and then oh. we had two grandchildren. So. At that point, so our oldest, Sarah, has her too, and um yeah, so we were all here and surrounded by friends and loved ones, and, and the night that Hunter died, so we'd had Christmas morning, and he had made it downstairs and didn't stay long, but he made it downstairs, came back upstairs, mm-hmm. and um we were all with him. And yeah. It was in the evening. So it was in the evening. We had planned a big a uh, Christmas dinner. We kind of got. It didn't happen like we thought it would. But <laughs> right. I mean, we, had, we were together. And my niece had arrived. So that was one of the things that had happened. She had wanted to come up on Christmas Day. And she arrived. Right.
0: So, yeah. The, now, it's, this Christmas is going to be three years. Correct. And uh, the the it can be one of the blessings of having something like this happen on a holiday like that is that you you have an automatic reminder every year of when it is. I mean, uh, but it also can be a challenge. Um, how how will Christmas be for you guys? Now it'll be three years. The first year is I'm sure reminder time, and but it's going to be three years. Do you, what will Christmas be like for you guys this year? Or at least what do you hope and expect it would be like?
1: That is a very good question. The first year we all went to Australia. Oh yeah. But Sarah and her husband uh, had already planned on being there with their children and with their family. So Ivy had just gotten married and we, just that's what we did and um mike my son-in-law mike his mom and dad had loved hunter had hosted hunter in in sydney and um and then hung out with hunter here in charlotte as well as Mm. as well as in new york and i can't remember where else they run (laughs) they had a history (laughs) it's sweet because the night of christmas we sat around everybody had stories to tell about hunter Oh yeah. So it was just a sweet time thinking, okay, Mike's family was there, maybe and her new husband and uh, were there and that you know, we all got to just share. Hmm. Uh, Mike's brother had been living in Vancouver when John and Hunter went to Vancouver. Mike's mom and dad had were in Vancouver when we went to Vancouver. So it was when they went so it was like, okay, there were memories all yes. over the globe yes. with that family, and then being with the church in Sydney, who just loved us, mm-hmm. her, cared for us, and we, God was just very, very kind. And, and,
0: and walk, walk through the journey with you from a distance from there. From
1: distance, yes. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then the following year, I think I, I think that was last year, mm-hmm. nineteen. <clears throat> I can't remember. Yeah.
0: The following year would be 19, which would be last year.
1: And I, at this moment, I don't, I think I may have worked that morning. <laughs> yes. So you think, okay, work that morning, a short day. And I get off and we drive to Orlando. Okay. I think that's what we do. Did, and that's where my parents and sisters live. So we went down and had family time. Lots of cousins in the area. Good. So that's what we did. And this year is probably going to be something very similar Mm -hmm. because both girls are going to be with their Mm in-laws. Sarah and Mike will be back in Australia for the holidays. Ivy and her husband will be with his mom and sisters in the uh, Minneapolis area. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what this year might look like.
0: Yeah, and our our listeners won't necessarily know this, you work uh, with newborn babies doing hearing testings in hospitals. And so having to do a hearing test on Christmas morning is, well, it's because it's there yes. <laughs> and the baby's been born and you've got to do this thing. And so that, that uh, babies are born whenever they're born.
1: And 20, uh, yes. Yeah, 365 days a year.
0: Yes. And so <laughs> your work schedule is going to reflect that. Well, I'm, you know, you will find a way, and you obviously are you and John are great folks, and you're gonna find a way to to incorporate the blessing and the life that Hunter was and was to you and the memories that you have and uh incorporate that reality into a new reality that will develop as time goes on because new children come into the dynamic mm-hmm. and christmas becomes a new opportunity for celebrating and blessing and at the same time connecting them as they grow up with the the blessing that there is of of their uncle hunter and getting to know him through that so mm-hmm. you guys will do that and it'll however it works out it'll be a blessing for you and i'm sure of that i just I just wasn't sure what had happened with you guys and was curious about that. Let me ask you just two questions about this. I I try to ask this question of everyone that all the conversations that we have on here, looking back on the experience, particularly the experience that you guys have had with, with Hunter, two things. What, What did you learn about God and What did you learn about yourselves?
1: First off, I am desperately needy. I could not have walked through today and the challenges I had today without knowing that, okay, he's got my back. Mm. Um, and today was an easy day. But I, know, I mean, in comparison to some of these other stories, today was, I mean, yes, I was on my feet for about 12 hours, but it was an easy day in comparison to what people like me might be walking through.
2: Oh, yeah, sure. Um, hmm.
1: But I'm desperate and I'm grateful that he, I used the word sovereign earlier, he knows what. My yesterday has been, he knows what my tomorrow and tomorrow and the day after that Mm, mm. he knows. So even though I might be surprised, Mm. he's not,
2: Mm, mm.
1: he's not surprised about the sicknesses. He's not surprised about the employment He's not surprised about uh, our students and their grades. He's not surprised about challenges mm. we we are seeing today. Whether it's a medical issue, he's not surprised.
0: Right. That's comforting, isn't
1: it? It is very comforting. Mm. It is very comforting to know that, okay, I've got those scriptures that I can ponder, meditate on, pray. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, I am praying in my heart over mm-hmm. those babies, over mm-hmm. the mamas, over my household, over mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I can, they are a good foundation. They're a good thing to keep meditating on
0: right right
1: I don't know if I answered your question
0: no I I hear I what I hear you saying is the thing I learned about God is that he's never surprised and he's always there Mm -hmm. and the thing that I learned about me is I need all the time I'm needy, And, and you know God's not surprised about the fact that you need him
1: right yeah. And he wants me to be desperate. Yeah. Well, he wants ama- me be-
0: Amazingly, we sometimes feel like I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't be needy.
1: Well, that's crazy. We, we are needy. What do they say that we've got that uh, a God, an, an empty mm-hmm. space that, and I'm God, a,
0: a God shaped void?
1: There's a void that, and, and In- if we're not, if we're not, if we're trying to do it ourselves. Right uh there's still going to be a void. Yes. Unless we know that he's the one that can fill that void.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, and I, I can't thank you enough for just being willing to open up your heart and to share this very very special memory and this this, this part of your journey. I mean, it's uh like I can't even imagine so I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to imagine what it would be like to to live through um, that kind of challenge. But I, I am so incredibly blessed by your, your response to those circumstances and what has come out of that in you and John. And of your, your connecting with the grace and the mercy and the love and the peace of God in the middle of life, because that's where we live. Mm-hmm. that's what I mean about thriving. Mm-hmm. Uh, thriving is not living a life with only blue skies and green lights. It's, it's living a life as it comes and learning through my ups and my downs and my, my failures and my successes that he is there. He's there all the time and that he brings his life and his grace and his mercy and his love into every circumstance and me learning how to connect with that reality is what allows me to thrive in life. And I just really appreciate you sharing this part of your journey with us. We'll have other conversations in the future because you've got other parts of your journey to share with us as well. And I just want you to know how much it really means to me for you to participate with me in this project.
1: <laughs> well, I loved meeting some of the other folks the other night. So. Yes,
0: it was a good time, wasn't it? We it was. we had a Zoom introductory thing the other night and, and had a chance to begin meeting one another, uh, the people who are participating with me in this, the Thrive podcast. And so, Anne, thanks again. Give my best to John. Glad we had a chance just to say hello there just a few minutes ago. And uh, we'll be talking with you again sometime. Godspeed to you the next time, okay?
1: Thank you so much, David. Have a good day. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for choosing the Learning to Thrive podcast. We hope you have been encouraged. Please check the show notes where you can find out more about today's episode. Give us a rating, tell your friends, and join us again next week. Together, we are learning to thrive.